It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. It's time to make the dough rise once again with Mr. Brian Doe, certified financial planner at Livingworth Wealth Advisors, serving you in the Lake Country and beyond, based out of Greensboro, Georgia, but from wherever you are, a big welcome to you on today's show. I'm Walter Storholt. We've got a great show on the way today. We're going to be talking about, boy, investing in 2022. (laughs) Where in the world do we go from here? As we record this just before Memorial Day, for some context, uh, will kind of be our approach. So we've made it through about five months of the year so far. Where do we go from here will be sort of the big question that we're asking. We'll dive into all that in a few moments. But first, Brian, great to be with you once again. What's going on in your world? I think summer has officially arrived. We just had a honor ceremony for my eighth grader, and she got high honors. My other daughter's wrapping up her chemistry, and I think my seventh grader was done last week. So we're we're happy around the dough house. Nice. So they have high honors. Is is there such a thing as low honors? Like is that like you're still pretty good, but low? You, it's just you know, honors. honors. Just, just yeah, honors. They, okay. they don't degrade it and call it low <laughs> honors. It's it's high honors and honors. So it's kind of how I, I never felt like there should be an A minus or a B minus or anything like that. Like there should just be the pluses and then the regular because it just seems to be like, do we really need the minus? It's like okay, you're. You weren't good enough for the A, so we're just going to give you an A minus. Like it's such a, such a yeah, negative. Kind of a downer, isn't it? It's kind of a downer, right? Like I almost would rather the B plus because it's like you're on the you're on the upswing if you've got the B plus. Whereas yeah. on the A minus, it's more like you're slipping, man. You're slipping. You're, you're... Yeah, a little, little positive context makes it sound better. <laughs> yeah, I think there is. There's something mental about that, you know. Oh, too funny. Well, congrats to them. Fantastic. And now I know you are ready for some. Uh, to have the family around you, relaxing and having a good summer. Do they have any big plans? Anybody working, working a, a job of them, or doing any cool camps or anything like that this year? So, so two of them have jobs, like okay. working at retail places in town. And then uh, two of them are going to the church big stuff camp down at uh, Panama City Beach. So a couple of, and I think they're going, a couple of them or all of them may be going to a beach trip with their cousins. So yeah, it's nice. They're living a very charmed life. Don't, a, don't worry uh, about the dough girls. fun summer on tap, it sounds like mm-hmm. for them. Very good. Uh, Well, let's dive into the program today. Again, investing in 2022, where do we go from here? And uh, what inspired this, Brian, I'll let you give the details here, but basically a reputable investment management company kind of uh, put out their 10 investment themes to keep your eye on in 2022. We're going to do something cool today where we'll give you kind of their take, and then Brian's going to be able to give you his take on each of these takeaways and subjects. I'm imagining you might be counter to some of the things that they're bringing up. Uh, you know, may, maybe you'll be in agreement on some of these things as well. Mostly agreement. Uh, there's a few big counters, though. Okay, very good. Well, uh, set the stage for us, and let's let's dive in. Investment themes of 2022. Yeah, well, I mean, you have to look back, and obviously we, we went through a rocking recovery from COVID, and, and over a couple of years, you know, the market's basically roughly doubled. And everybody was feeling great and everybody was loving their reviews and it was it was getting a little too euphoric. I always, I always get nervous when things are going well. Uh, of course, on the flip side of that, I get optimistic and excited when when things aren't going well. So it's uh, it's my job to run counter to the the euphoria and on the upside and then the you know the, the doom and gloom on the downside. So I hope hopefully we can give people some positive uh, direction perspective on the market uh, not all is bad although the the first 5 months of this this year have been uh, arguably you know, 
painful and, and definitely negative to portfolio values. Okay. Yeah. It's good perspective always to have. And so, you know, I'm, as a listener today, I'm thinking, boy, if, if you're feeling a little bit of pain, if you're feeling a little bit of uneasiness of how the first couple of months of the year have gone, then listen closely because uh, we're not saying we're making predictions, but we are at least analyzing what the rest of 2022 looks like and some of the things that you can be aware of. And hopefully that knowledge will help at least make you process things a little bit more comfortably or give you that right perspective because ultimately that's what it comes down to is the proper perspective um, for your situation in life, whether you can view these things as opportunities, Brian, or uh, you know reasons for action or sit and hold. Uh, perspective tells us the right ways to look at these things. So I can't wait. What's the, and and what's I the like what one? you said there yeah. about not, we're not making predictions here about, you know, what's the market going to do? Are we going to go up from here? Where are we going to end the year? You know, I, I tend not to get involved in that, that folly because we can't predict the news. We, we don't know what's going to be in the headlines tomorrow and you know, whether something happens with Russia and Ukraine or they have, you know, I, I guess monkeypox is, is, Sweeping the nation. I don't, oh, no. I don't know. What... <laughs> no monkeypox, please. <laughs> but in context of what all that's going on, we're, we're just going to talk about how to evaluate what are some parameters you can set around your investment selection and, and end up with a positive result. And then the, the timing of what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I'm not into the business of predicting that. Good. Uh, Got to always get that disclaimer out there. No predictions here. No yep. predictions. Yep. All right. So uh, what's the first investment theme you want to break down? Well, so they were talking about companies that have pricing power, and you know, we have to acknowledge that uh, inflation is the big topic. We, when we did a deep dive on on inflation on a, a previous episode of the podcast, but inflation is what's really wreaking havoc with the market. Everybody's running around saying, "Well, what if we get a recession?" And you know, if you if you have a couple of re- quarters of of negative growth or contraction, and negative growth that, that's kind of like the A minus, isn't it? The it's growth. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. But but calling it negative growth for a contraction is another one of those euphemisms. Anyway, if we have a couple quarters or, or maybe even more of contraction, the, the economy's not evaporating. It's not going away. Uh, we're talking about a, a percent or two. And, and on a $25 trillion economy, that those are big numbers. But it's not like we're going to zero or the economy is is collapsing. So the recession fear is a less of a fear than inflation, basically, is the bottom line. If you want to go back and listen to the the Bermuda Triangle series, we did a deep dive into three different categories, and, and that was one of them. But in light of purchasing power and keeping your purchasing power on the flip side of that is companies that have pricing power. Like they're, they have solid demand, uh, good quality products, loyal customers, or they happen to be in industries that are going to benefit from the strong consumer, strong balance sheets, you know, people are wanting to travel again. So it's it, it, it's an odd market that we're in because simultaneously we've got a major problem or two or three, actually supply chain, uh, war with Russia and, and Ukraine, uh, oil and gas, obviously, and, and prices. But at the same time, the economy is quite hot because unemployment is incredibly low. There is some pent up demand from COVID and that that's running into this you know, supply shortage that we've had over the past couple of years. So anyway, uh, a company that is able to adjust their pricing is going to be able to generate higher profits in the future. And, and future profits are what stock market valuations are all about. You're really just buying the future earnings and the future profitability of a company. 
So while companies have, have been hit by the concern about inflation, the ones that do have the pricing power, the innovative new products, uh, those are going to be the ones to, to actually power through this if you're looking for a safe, a little bit more reliable way to, to bet on a comeback or, or at least preservation of value through this. And just to give you some idea of, of where these opportunities lie, they had a scatter plot that showed the price, gross margins, and then the standard deviation or the variability of those gross, gross margins. So what you ended up with was a category where you've got very stable earnings and very good margins. Well, what are those companies? You're looking at household or consumer products. You know, a lot of things that uh, big companies like Procter & Gamble or Kraft, Heinz, maybe, maybe a lot of those products are, are value-oriented and they can, they can raise their prices and it's not going to dent demand dramatically. And it's going to allow them to, to let that profitability throw, flow through to their stock price. The other things, uh, beverages, pharmaceutical and biotech. Uh, for quite a while there, pharmaceuticals were, there was some concern about regulation and, and what the government was going to do about trying to control pharmaceutical prices. And I think what we're seeing now is Washington doesn't really have the, the will. To, they're very conflicted on, on what to do about this. And so that's actually good for pharmaceutical companies because they're able to uh, adjust their pricing and, and command the prices that they you know, deserve for developing the, the breakthrough drugs that they've got. And then also a little more on the on the aggressive side would be the um, biotech companies. So these are the ones that have the innovations. They've been beaten down badly in price. And so what could very well happen is these drug companies that have maturing product lines uh, or patents expiring, they can go out and buy companies that are beaten down in price and ba basically re-fortify their, their drug lineup through acquisitions. So a lot happening in that space that uh, I actually want to look into a little bit more ahead. Semiconductors fall into this category, media, uh, apparel and luxury, kind of getting on the little more uh, variability end of things. And then lower margin, but more stable would be things like healthcare services, telecom, aerospace and defense, uh, which has come back on the radar pretty dramatically because of what's happening in, in Russia and Ukraine. So th there's, there's some broad uh, categories, broad industries and, and sectors of the economy. But again, I think you want to take time to do some individual research on, on the companies that you're buying and make sure they are the dominant company, that they, they do have you know, multiple product lines, not a single one, and be careful about it. But I, I totally agree with this. I think companies that have pricing power are the ones that are going to be able to keep up and adjust to this inflation trend. Good breakdown and interesting. All right, so the first investment theme, pricing power and a great overview of the sectors involved there. Uh, what's the next investing theme to analyze for the rest of 2022? So the next one is uh, the focus on tech, and they called it the tech trifecta. That is semiconductors, cloud computing, and software. And so a lot of these begin to overlap. Uh, you, you're seeing a lot of technology used in other places. Uh, you're seeing the adoption of, of different software solutions to make uh, retail, online shopping. You can buy these software packages where you can do uh, sales and marketing type functions into, into a nice online package software solution. So you don't have to invent programs and storefronts and, and the like from scratch, you can go to these, these software companies and just turnkey, uh, put your products and, and uh, campaigns online, 
and it, it really expedites the, the adoption and the ability of, of, of companies to do things. So I, I think going back to my idea of, you know, are the earnings in the future or are the earnings in the present? Well, the, the companies I mentioned before, the, the pharma and the con consumer services and healthcare, a lot of those have good earnings now. And, and so those companies have been rewarded or, or held up better. Companies that have more earnings in the future, inflation is eroding the value of those, of those future earnings. So what you've seen is a dramatic pullback in many of the technology names and, and that there's you know, potentially some great, some great bargains there. And just, just to give you an idea, let's take semiconductors as an example. So if you look at cars today that have 3,000 semiconductor chips in it, I'm, I'm still driving my 2004 Toyota Land Cruiser, and I know it has several in there, but um, 3,000 is an unimaginable number to, to think about a, a single car having that much technology in it. And the days of maintenance will be different too, because uh, as opposed to just you know swapping out a carburetor, you may have to you know, have an actual computer scientist to fix your car now. Yeah, it is kind of interesting though. Like, isn't that the thing with uh, when there's a problem with like a Tesla, uh, they can just release a software patch just like you do with computers. I mean, for certain things uh, to, to fix, they like, oh, there's a glitch with X, Y, and Z. Okay, well, we'll mm -hmm. roll out a software patch. And next time the car comes home and connects to the Wi-Fi at home, it'll uh, it'll get fixed. Yeah, do you have to have it at home or do they have like a mobile? Oh, I'm sure there's uh, probably a mobile connection option, I would imagine. I don't I don't know it. Yeah. In I don't app. have a Tesla yet, so I haven't, I haven't figured yeah. all these things out. Uh, I've got an uncle who has one. I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know if that's an add-on to get the like, uh, you know, constant internet connection or if that's, uh, you know, something that is a standard with them at this point. Well, speaking of, I mean, uh, smartphones and, and wireless technology is the other area where you're, you're seeing massive uh, use of semiconductors. The uh, average dollar amount that went into a smartphone in 2015 was about $100 per unit for a smartphone. By 2025, that's projected to be at $275 per unit. Now, some of that may be inflation. It, it may not be a exact prorated uh, percentage of, of the phone, but it's $275 per, per phone is going to go into each new unit. So the demand for semiconductors and, and this technology, that, that, that trend is going to continue through this. And again, with if you're holding some names that you bought when they were up, it may not look you know too pleasant right now. But when you back up and and look over a long time period, this technology trend has has never been a bad place to be. Yeah, definitely not. Well, that's interesting. So the tech trifecta, another interesting thing to keep an eye on in 2022, and it sounds like even uh, you know in the coming years as well, not just a a one year problem kind of thing there. Yeah, and and obviously you know. If you look at the things like I mentioned, software, uh, cybersecurity demand is going to be huge, but you have to be willing to you know withstand some volatility. And I'll, they give some really good examples here. And we're we're living through another one of these. This these numbers here that I'm going to uh, share with you are from December 31st. Shopify Block, which is Square, the the payment processor, Snowflake, cloud computing. Since their IPOs, Shopify had annualized returns of 83%. So you had a 50 to one return if you got into the IPO of, of Shopify. And I think that came out in 2015. The time period from 2015 to the end of last year, you know, so five, six years, whatever it was, you saw nine times when you had a 20% price decline. Actually, the average decline was about 
So incredible volatility on, on the downside, obviously, but you would have been uh, rewarded with an annualized 83% return over that time period. Similar for, for uh, Square, or it goes by block now, and it's uh, you know, they annualized 51%, but they had seven declines of 20% or more with an average of down 38%. Well, we're, we're having another one of those. So if you think the trend of online shopping and, and the software as a service, payment processing, the, the revolution in, in financial services, if you think those things are going away, you're crazy. So, so you have to look at it now and say, hey, th these may have been some names I couldn't afford to get into. Now, uh, a, a new opportunity has been presented to, to, to ride this next wave. Good examples there of that volatility and those different waves. What about another trend in 2022 to keep an eye on? Yeah. So on, on the flip side of growth, you've got the dividend comeback and you're seeing a lot of companies raising dividends, uh, certainly a lot of financial companies that had not raised their dividends dramatically coming out of the financial crisis are, are back to profitability and, and have shored up their balance sheets. And so you're seeing a lot of uh, increase in dividends. So the, the knee jerk reaction is to run out and buy high dividend stocks. And I have a lot of people that will filter the uh, market selection based on like the top yielding stocks. And that's a, that's a bit of a trap I, I want to warn people about. If you focus on the top, like the quintile, top 20% of dividend payers, in other words, the one that have the highest percentage dividend yield. If you bought those since you know, the like the mid 2000s, let's call it 2006, seven, uh, that quintile of dividend payers has actually performed the worst. So the caveat, if you're looking for quality dividend stocks, is to move down a little bit into the sweet spot. You're, you're looking for companies that maybe have an average dividend yield of about 3%. And, uh, you know, your industries here are healthcare, utilities, uh, financials, natural resources, some of the more mature tech names. But, uh, yeah, focus on dividend growth, top quality, you know, profitable companies, uh, have a history of increasing their dividends, but not those that are paying out at the at the top end of their you know earnings capability. And so I, I would I would generally agree with that. I, I like those high dividend stocks. Very nice. Yeah, uh, dividend stocks not a bad thing at all. Uh, and I, you're right. The comeback is a good way to describe that because I feel like we used to hear lots of good things about dividend stocks, and then they went out of out of favor for a while. I guess or years just, they weren't very mm -hmm. sexy, right? And mm -hmm. now uh, so now they're making a comeback a little bit. That's good. Yeah, very much so. All right, uh, three down. We're going through 10 of these uh, things to be on the lookout for these investment themes of 2022. What's the next one? Well, so they, they had a big uh, focus on healthcare innovation. And if you've paid any attention, well, I mean, obviously the mRNA vaccines that came out, uh, you've got all kinds of uh, breakthroughs happening with surgical procedures and medications and biotech. And it, the, the list really goes on and on. They're, they're learning more and more about preventing a lot of the, the problems with aging. And so you're going to see a ton of great breakthroughs that, that are going to happen in the healthcare, biotech, pharmaceutical. And, and I know these are starting to overlap a little bit, but um, you, you've got tremendous potential to invest in some of these companies that are, are, are fairly beaten up right now. If you're not a guru, if you're not dialed into what every technology and, and market opportunity is. This is definitely something you could turn over to an actively managed fund uh, by a sector, you know, things like that, so that you're, you're participating. You, you may not know where the exact action is, but you're, you're participating in the general trend. So yeah, I think this is a good one. It's, it's, um, 
with all that happened with Obamacare, uh, the things going on with Medicare funding, a lot of people have been concerned about investing too much in healthcare, healthcare providers, pharmaceuticals, biotech, the whole the whole block, just because of concerns about pricing, reimbursement, and the like. But um, yeah, there's there's great innovations coming here, and um, I could talk a whole other podcast about that one. Yeah, healthcare, healthcare, healthcare. It's definitely uh, not only 2022, but for uh, decades ahead, going to be a major, major theme, uh, as it has been for a long time, but uh, certainly now, incredibly so. All right, about to hit the halfway point. What is the uh, the fifth trend to be on the lookout for and theme of 2022? Well, they had a big focus on uh, transportation transformation. Okay. Right? So we got the, obviously the big factor is the the adoption of electric vehicles. And, you know, Tesla is clearly winning that race. You've got others that are are coming online. I know Rivian is is the, is that Ford and Amazon and some of those companies came together to come up with electric trucks which actually look very appealing because they have a super durable plate plating on the bottom to protect the battery. And you don't have that transmission drive train sticking down uh, beneath the, the body of the, of the truck. So that is the perfect vehicle for off-roading out West or, you know, anywhere you need a high clearance vehicle. I actually looked at them. I was like, Hey, that actually makes a lot of sense. And if you could just get a, like a solar panel and, and charge out in the, the desert, I think you'd have a winner with those. That's pretty cool. It's kind of like how a lot of uh, RVs and uh, trailers now come with the solar panels, especially if you're out west, right? Because mm-hmm. typically you're going to be in areas where you're not, you know, covered up by trees, and you're going to be able to take advantage of that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, cool. so uh, if, between electric vehicles and then uh, kind of in the same vein as far as transportation, uh, one of the things that we've seen is a lot of airlines. They retired many of their airplanes, a lot of 747s and older, uh, less less efficient uh, airplanes. When they were sidelining all the vehicles for or all the planes for COVID, they just they retired the oldest and the ones that were probably coming up for uh, retiring anyway. But on the flip side, Boeing and Airbus have had you know their problems and they're they're backed up on demand. So there's going to be a shortage now of airplanes. And I don't know if you've tried to price a ticket lately, but I wanted to go out to uh, Los Angeles. It was like $950 for an economy mm-hmm. class ticket to, to Los Angeles. Yep. I've been pricing like, out a trip for late June and uh, I, I've been, I literally checked the prices every single day and uh, not seeing the deals that I saw last year. That's for sure. It's crazy. Yeah, you could you could have gone out west for 150 bucks round trip, and now it's now it's a thousand. Oh yeah, I actually went back and looked at some of my receipts uh, from last year just to be like, am I off my rocker and how cheap it was to fly? Actually, we're flying out this weekend from uh, on Memorial Day weekend, but I booked the tickets way back when it was much cheaper. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh man, this is incredible. Just how I wonder what this would be like now if I was booking it compared to. I I guess I was smart to have booked that before we saw all these uh these big increases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I, generally, I'm not a huge fan of the airlines because they're ones that they, they boom and bust. So if their if their profits are great, man, everybody bids them up, and then when things slow down, uh, their profit margins because their their capital base is so expensive to to maintain, their fixed cost structure is so high, they've got to be profitable to or have you know, very good conditions to be profitable and have their stocks go up. So when it turns, you get burned very badly on the airlines. But uh, you know, right now, it may, may be a more or short, short-term play if, uh, if somebody's looking for something optimistic or opportunistic there. 
So that's the transportation transformation. Certainly that's dominated the news as of late uh, with gas prices being up and uh, its effect on transportation as well as those technological advancements. But not the only uh, trend that we're seeing in 2022 in terms of news stories that are going to be driving investments in markets, right? Yeah, well, and we're, we're getting a lot out of China these days. You know, you're, there's a lot going on in China, a lot of talk about China. I think we're realizing how much our supply chains and resourcing has been dependent on China. And there may be some shift back to you know, getting more local or domestic supply chains. There could be a five to 10 year shift that, that could take place because I think a lot of people felt you know, caught off guard by how dependent we were on certain countries for raw materials. Obviously, we're seeing that in Europe with Russian oil and gas. But uh, China, you know, was their, their economy has really been transforming. And if you look at the growth in their retail services, other industries, what was probably a third of their economy back in the 90s is now over half. And the more traditional manufacturing, mining, energy, agricultural sectors, they, they've still grown, but it's it's a smaller percentage of the economy. So a lot happening in China that we want to pay attention to, be mindful of. But I say beware. China is a risky, dangerous place by my standards to invest. Uh, in just like we saw you know, a lot of Russian invest, investments be uh, you know, basically turned worthless or, or very difficult to, to transact in. You got to be careful of something like that happening with China, more even more so from like an internal regulation. Recently, they were having a big crackdown on technology, and Jack Ma got he, he got got some kind of a scolding for thinking a little too independently. And uh, you know the the heavy handed central control of the economy and a lot and the fact that the government is involved in a lot of the companies there makes me a little concerned about getting directly involved in Chinese companies. So maybe maybe what you do is find US companies that are selling in China. Oh, that can be uh, tricky too. But uh, I would not go full, you know, feet first into Chinese equities or or markets, even the ones trading on on the US exchanges because there's just so much that we don't know and we don't see with China. We have tremendous transparency and reporting and visibility and the SEC overwatching, you know, companies here. You don't have that in China. So there's a lot of, of concern about what you're actually getting. And unless you're a pro, unless you've got, you know, boots on the ground over there, I would I would still stay away from China. If you want to have some exposure to it, you let the pros do it. Yeah, talk about risk seems to be uh, certainly an area where that, you know, kind of grows on trees, at least in terms of uh, the investment side of things. So mm-hmm. I, can, I can see why you have the warning and the beware sign hanging there. Uh, all right, what else do we have? Uh, is that six down? A couple more to go here in our yeah, 10 yeah, trends? Yeah, let's just kind of buzz through a couple of these. Uh, yeah. Media disruption, you know, tremendous opportunities coming in gaming. You're, you're seeing a big shift from, uh, still, I saw the statistic, two-thirds of all television is still going through what they call the linear channels, the traditional, you know, tune into, I guess your cable, you know, major broadcast providers. The other third has gone to all of the streaming on demand, uh, you know, maybe things like YouTube and, but, but video games, uh, VR, entertainment, the things that people, the shift that we're having from the old, you know, wired in, in where you don't really have control of what you're watching, 
we're only a third of the way through this transition. And you know, so that will continue. And I think people are finding affordability in gaming, uh, using that as entertainment, and then VR with the, the metaverse trends that are coming. You, know, you could see a lot of opportunities for work they may take the Zoom calls into virtual reality. You may have uh, sharing of files and information in, in these VR worlds. We'll see how people actually adopt that, but it's going to happen in gaming uh, first. And so th those are, I, I would agree, those are all good places to focus on opportunities. Uh, yeah, Roblox is, is one that I've liked and followed for quite a while. But uh, yeah, I'm not a big gamer, so I don't, I don't know what the top mm. opportunities are there. Yeah. But certainly media disruption, um, it's going to be a constant state of affairs, I would imagine, for quite some time. So Yeah, certainly. Good one to be aware of. All right. What about um, number eight, the uh, next trend? Yeah. So this is going to be the, the future of financials. And, and what we have to look for is what's going, they, they call it the fintech revolution, uh, the disruption of things like uh, Bitcoin and electronic payment processors, PayPals and, and the like as well as what's happening on financial exchanges. So more, there's still a move to modernize exchanges and we're seeing like the bond market get it finally getting a major overhaul for electronic uh, trading. Uh, so, so the exchanges and then the disruptors that are, are going to innovate and, and come up with new financial, you know, decentralized financial technologies. I, I think there's some, some great opportunities in there. Lots of good things there for sure. Future of financials. All right, two to go. Um, I oh, I see the uh, I see the next one on the list here. Um, I, I feel like you've had to mention this buzzword and talk about it a lot lately. Yeah, we we did a podcast on ESG. ESG everywhere they say ESG is everywhere, and it's only going to get more important. Well, ESG is the economic, social, and governance principles that they're using to try and overlay on investment selection. So we're looking for people that are not only good companies and profitable and good margins and high dividends and increasing dividends, all those things that we talked about, which are all perfectly sensible things to evaluate a company on. Now I'm seeing this trend, this buzzword, this adoption of, of ESG, and they've got the economic social governance scorecards. And honestly, I've seen this turn into just a political tool, uh, maybe a social justice tool to try and I don't know, wield an agenda over, over companies or, you know, policies at large. And I think it's absolute nonsense. Maybe absolute nonsense is a bit, it's a lot of nonsense because if you saw, uh, I think just last week or the week before Tesla, which obviously has revolutionized, uh, electronic cars, uh, he, he pays his workers well, but because of some of the things that he's done and, and comments he's made, he's, I think he's developed some ESG enemies. And so ExxonMobil is one of the top companies on the ESG index, but they have removed Tesla from the ESG index. If you can justify that for me in any way that makes any sense, and, and I, I looked at the breakdown of the, of the two companies, there's, it's, it's just a total political tool. And it's, if you're trying to overlay this do good, feel good filter over your investment selections, that's great. If you if you want to apply those criteria and you think that you have the ability to discern, you know, which are the best citizens and best for the environment and, you know, have the best social impact, go for it. But I'm concerned that more and more investment managers and funds are starting to apply this metric because it's popular. 
it's 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 become a, a trendy thing that people are looking for. I'm not a fan, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say giant groan to ESG. Yeah, it seems like anything that's got kind of a trendy feel to it, you you tend to go against those things, or at least very very wary of them. So. We'll file that there. And yeah, by the way, folks, go back and check out that ESG episode and uh, give, give it a listen if you haven't heard that one and want to learn a little bit more about what that's all about and some of the pitfalls involved there. All right, last but not least, what is the 10th and final uh, investing trend or theme of 2022 to keep an eye on and, and your take on it? Yeah, so this is uh, focused on fixed income. We, we spent all the others really talking about stocks and equities and, and the like. But uh, being flexible with your fixed income, we have seen the the 10-year treasury shoot up. Longer term uh, bond yields have, have risen dramatically. So I think what has happened is the bond market has anticipated what they think the Federal Reserve is going to do. And so l- intermediate and longer term bonds have priced themselves accordingly. So Again, you just want to stay flexible uh, with your fixed income. Maybe you keep the durations a little bit shorter. I tend to like preferreds and municipal bonds right now. Those those tend to be uh, places where you can get a decent yield, preferential tax treatment, and maybe more uh, adjustable rate type securities, things like that, so that it, it protects your principal. And I have to address I-bonds. They're yielding, what, 9.5% or something like that. Well, that's awesome and fantastic if you can lock in nine and a half percent, but you can't really lock it in. Those things adjust. And so if inflation comes back down, the yields on those will come down. And there's a major speed bump in that you can only put $10,000 per person in there. So a couple could get 20,000, 30,000 if they have a trust that has a separate tax ID number, but not a huge opportunity to go lock in this nine and a half percent. But if you got $10,000 laying around earning nothing and you want to bump that up for a little while, you know, I-bonds are fine. But you have to go to Treasury Direct to get those. Very cool. That's uh, another breakdown there of the flexible fixed income. So many different layers that we have covered here, Brian. So what's one to do with all these information? And again, not not predictions, uh, but with all of these different takes on these themes of 2022, it's a lot to keep an eye on for somebody. Yeah. And I I think the key here is you want, with inflation again, you want to be able to invest so that you can keep up with inflation. So you have to, again, look at that earnings now versus versus earnings later. And the earnings later is what's punishing and and causing the, the price to go down on a lot of your technology stocks. But I would argue that that is where you need to be to get the kind of growth that you need to keep up uh, with inflation. So again, could be a great opportunity uh, to to step into some of those names, but here's what to watch for. If you're looking for, I I think we're moving to more of an individual stock picking opportunity over the indexes. The the indexing works fine, but if you want to buy some opportunistic things, you want to look at the the technology companies and the the growth companies through the lens of uh, market saturation, competition, and whether or not they have multiple product lines. So real quick, Zoom is one of the darlings of, you know, COVID that, that Zoom technology was sitting out there, but nobody was really using it. And then all of a sudden overnight with COVID, everybody was using it. Well, that's great. You had a big, big adoption. It's a much more interesting place to be now because there's more people on it. But Zoom's valuation right now is below where it was before the pandemic. So you have to think, well, what, what has happened? What, what's this great company, great technology, everybody's adopting it. Well, they've had a huge surge in competition. So where they 
they got a lot of the spotlight and a lot of the attention because there was all this you know, adoption during during COVID. Well, now they've got a lot of uh, competition out there. And, and so those technologies will continue to come along, but they may not be as profitable as they were. And, and the next one that would be uh, like a Netflix, you know, they've got a saturation and a competition issue. A lot of adopt, a lot of people were already signed up for Netflix. Turns out a lot of them were already sharing their passwords. And so you had about another 100 million people that were using Netflix passwords, you know, from their relatives or friends or roommate or whoever. And so, uh, yeah, you, you've got an issue where Netflix may not be the darling unless they can manage their new subscribers and their reach, maybe their pricing, they're looking at putting in advertising, which for me, if I'm paying for a streaming service, you better not have any ads. That was my attraction to those those type services was I, didn't, I haven't had to watch commercials in forever. And so now the pressure is going to be on to to monetize these platforms. And um, if if commercials work their way into my Netflix, I will be canceling them. Yeah, it's tough. You, you kind of have to pick a lane, right? Are we going to be a subscription-based model or a reven- ad revenue-based model? And Trying to do both of them uh, starts to get a, it gets dicier, right? Yeah, absolutely. Start start alienating um, folks. Yeah, then, then a couple other like Apple and Microsoft are your your big mature tech companies, and everybody's always worried about them. You know, peaking out. This may be their most profitable ever. They may not be innovating, but uh, Apple and Microsoft, Microsoft both have done an excellent job keeping up, transforming, coming up with new products. Again, multiple product lines. Uh, good, good. You know, growing dividends, share buy, share buybacks on those. So. As far as individual names, there, there's some couple to avoid, couple to look at. And then uh, I've mentioned, I think Shopify, HubSpot is is the one for like a software suite for for marketing. A Square and and uh, now going by the name of Block, a lot of disruption in the financial services, NVIDIA and the semiconductor space. All of these are going to be good places to to be long-term and you can pick up those those stocks at very nice prices now. Very cool. Uh, some good things to be aware of there. Any final thoughts on uh, on this week's show with all these different moving parts uh, to kind of bring us back to home base? Yeah. So uh, the other side of the coin is the value stocks. We talked plenty about those, but you know, defense, uh, energy stocks, those have all come back and, and have been out of favor for for quite some time. Uh, if you want to get some good dividends. And certainly a lot is going to happen with energy as far as adoption of new clean energy capacity, because Europe has realized your you know, clean energy alone, if the wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine, uh, you're now dependent on Russia. So we're actually seeing a little bit of a revival in the interest in nuclear capacity. And I don't know if you saw in the US, we just passed some billions of dollars to help extend the life of some of these old, old nuclear plants. Uh, what we should be doing is building some new ones, but um, uh, hopefully the current set of circumstances will lead people to realize we do need predictable, re- you know, on-demand type energy. So whether that's natural gas or, or nuclear, could be some real opportunities there as well. And then the the final thing that I'm going to talk about, and I'm not really recommending this, I'm just encouraging people uh, to educate themselves on it. That's Bitcoin. The more I look into that, I followed it for years. I've been interested in it for years, but watching major uh, institutions, analysts, uh, investors get excited about and talk about the future of Bitcoin, talk about it being the most revolutionary, you know, invention, you know, possibly ever. And these are not people that are 
marketing some uh, trading course online for you know, get rich quick in Bitcoin. These, these are people that are looking at the real long-term potential of it. And so if you're interested and you want to educate yourself on Bitcoin, happy to talk about it anytime, but a 10 minute discussion doesn't quite get you over the hump of understanding uh, Bitcoin. So Inventing Bitcoin is a book that I've, I've picked up. I'm going to take a look at, and it should have a, a more down to earth, not quite so wonky description of what Bitcoin is. And then um, you know, how that can essentially be adopted and applied to all kinds of financial innovations coming up. So that's my final one. I'm just going to throw that out there for fun. Some things to keep an eye on, uh, be interested in, excited about, movements, changes, all sorts of things to keep our eyes on throughout the rest of this year and beyond. So there you have it, the breakdown of some of the things in 2022 that are going to be investment themes through the rest of the year and Brian's takeaways on these kinds of things. But as you can see, I mean, some of these things get get complex. You know, we mentioned Bitcoin there at the end, but, you know, evaluating things like ESG, trendy things that pop up. The challenges of Ukraine and China, what they present, some of the political conversations here at home, uh, what healthcare is going to demand into the future. You can just see all of these different things boiled down to very specific sectors, if you will, or parts of your financial plan. And it can be difficult at times like that when you have all of these different variables and moving parts to prioritize your financial goals. And so if that's something that you're struggling with, which isn't something to be ashamed of, I mean, I think that's important to recognize areas where you may struggle, uh, you may need a, a better plan to know where and how to save. If you want help with investment management alongside of that, all of those moving parts, that's why somebody like Brian is here to help out. He is, of course, a certified financial planner. Uh, he has that certification that is the standard of excellence in financial planning. He has more than 20 years of experience through the ups and the downs and the sideways parts of the market. Uh, and if you're working with a CFP, I think it's also important to remember that a CFP professional meets rigorous education, training, and ethical standards, and they're always committed to serving in their clients' best interests today to help you prepare for a more secure tomorrow. So if you'd like to have a conversation with Brian, explore a little bit more of the kinds of education and things that we talk about here on the show, but in a very specific and particular way as it relates to your portfolio and your plan, give us a call and you can get a 15-minute complimentary review with Brian, and we'll see how you can get some clarity around those financial goals and help you prepare for the future. So call 706-451-9800 or an even easier way, go to livingworth.com and just click book a call and you can set up that 15-minute complimentary call. Again, go to livingworth.com and click book a call. Well, Brian, it uh, sounds like it's the unofficial start of summer for you with all of those uh, things going on with your daughters and the little mini graduations and moving on to next phases of life and uh, big summer plans for them and uh, enjoy the beginning of it all and have a great Memorial Day weekend as well. And we'll look forward to chatting with you again in June. Yeah, thanks. You do the same. This was, uh, this was good. Sounds good. That's Brian Doe. I'm Walter Storholt. And uh, we'll look forward to chatting with everybody again next time right back here on Make the Dough Rise. Until then, take care. Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. 
Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website. Or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.